Hey, y'all, and welcome to episode two of the podcast, The Wonder of It All, Living in the Sacredness of Wonder. Look, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. If you listened to the first episode, then welcome back. Thanks for taking this second step with me on this spiritual journey as we learn how to live in wonder every single day from the sacredness of the cold, dark night to the bright, blessed day, as Louis Armstrong reminds us, uh, each moment in life creates an opportunity for wonder, to live in amazement, to to embrace the mystery that is life and God and faith. And, and I love that concept, and I love how often mystery is talked about uh, in the Bible. And so, so we've got this great opportunity uh, to live in wonder, uh, to open our eyes, because sometimes it's a challenge. We, we, we get in a rut or we just are going through the routine, going through the motions every day, just trying to get by one day after, after another. And uh, we forget all the amazing things that are part of life and faith in God and how all of these intersect together. So thank you so much for coming on this spiritual journey. We're not going to cover or suggest a lot of answers in this podcast, uh, but we're going to take a journey together. So so I'm glad that you're here today. Again, my name is Ben, and the first episode, we, we hit on mental illness, and in particular, the stigma that's attached uh, to people who are transparent with their struggles. I don't know if you saw this recently, but uh, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, had come out in an interview and said that earlier this year, uh, during the early stages of the pandemic, he struggled with depression. And I thought that was really brave on his part, but a, a well-known sports personality criticized him for doing that and saying, the quarterback of your team cannot come out and admit weak, weakness of any kind. And, and that's a, unfortunately, that's a perfect example of the stigma that we're talking about when it comes to mental illness that somehow you're weaker than a person who is struggling with diabetes or is struggling with um, any kind of physical ailment, blood pressure, or, uh, that somehow uh, mental illness is a totally different category. And, and that's the stigma that people have to fight with. And, and that's the stigma that I wonder, unfortunately, how many people do not come out and share their struggle. Last week, I mentioned that the church has come a long way in learning how to compassionately and effectively minister to people with mental health struggles. And I'm so thankful for that. Churches of all stripes, churches regardless of the name outside of their, their facilities, um, we're seeing growth in this area. We're seeing a greater awareness. We're, we're seeing a move away from simplistic reasoning and canned answers to what are some very real problems that, that people are facing. But you know what? There is a lot of work to be done. So it's important to realize that we have made progress, but let's, let's be realistic and know that we've got a lot more work to be done. So today, we're going to hear from our first guest on this podcast, none other than the famous the patient, the, oh, the one who just <laughs> sticks by my craziness, my wife, Mindy. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you're here today, yeah, Mindy. Welcome. Me too. 
I learned early on in my marriage to Mindy that I can't force her to do anything. <laughs> you know, she's laughing, but she is her own person. I'm a little stubborn. Yeah. And that, that's a good thing, <laughs> except when we disagree. I'm not sure about that, mm. but she, she makes her own decisions. She's, she's smart. She is stubborn. She's strong-willed and that creates, um, it, well, let's just say it keeps our marriage from becoming boring. <laughs> so Mindy has shared on multiple occasions and in different settings with a variety of groups, her personal battle with depression, which incidentally is a major crisis here in America. Now, let me share with you some stats right now about depression. Approximately 17.3 million American adults are diagnosed with depression in a given year. 17.3 million in a year. Now, I'm not sure why, but depression seems to be more prevalent in women than in men. But this one really staggered me. Children ages 3 to 17 who have diagnosed depression, number 1.9 million. So we are talking about a health crisis. We are talking about literally millions upon millions of people who are battling something uh, that affects them mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually. This is, this is a huge health crisis. And, and that's why we're talking about mental illness in doing our small part through this podcast to fight against the stigma and to encourage churches, people of faith to listen to others who open up about mental illness. So uh, Mindy, uh, I know that church has been a huge part of your life. I shared last week that I grew up as a preacher's kid and, and guess what? Mindy is a preacher's kid as well. <laughs> yep. So we grew up similarly. We were at church at least three times a week. Mm -hmm. uh, if there were special events, we were at church. We, we didn't grow up in the same part of the country, uh, but we, we do share some things from our child, uh, childhoods uh, that, um, that we, we've seen also in our, in our marriage. So faith has always been hugely important to you. Mm -hmm. I know that when I first went to college, I was, I was experiencing freedom and thinking, okay, this is kind of cool. You know, nobody's waking me up to go to church and mm -hmm. do I want to sleep in or do I want to go to church today? And well, wouldn't you know it? God said, no, you want to go to church. And here's why. See that girl over there. I was like, oh yeah, I see her. I notice her. She's always <laughs> at church. So, um, I love the fact that, um, you're so transparent with uh, your depression. And I, I think what we'll get into in a few minutes is, um, I find it fascinating and inspiring even that throughout your struggle with depression, you, you've had this struggle, you've waged this battle within a faith context. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but you know, I know that transparency has risks and when you're open sometimes that can come back to bite you you can get hurt by that and yeah so you've had some painful moments in your life mm -hmm. because of your transparency yeah. but i believe that far more people are blessed by your openness so thank you for coming on today to talk yeah, about your no story problem. well let's get into it okay uh, when did you realize that you were struggling with a mental health issue um i think 
going back to my teenage years um, is when it kind of started, but I didn't know what was going on at the time. Um, I wasn't diagnosed until age 27 with depression, but when I think back now as an adult, I remember a time when I was in the ninth grade um, or eighth grade, I can't remember, but I had a depressive episode um, where I was in the bed and would not get out for several days um, because I had tried out for something at school and didn't get it. And I was just devastated. Um, but I took, I did not respond in a healthy way. I mean, my parents were just like, you know, something is not right, but um, I eventually came out of that. But there was periods I've had ups and downs kind of my whole teenage years into my twenties. And then finally I sought out help when I was 27. So. So you can remember sometimes early in your life mm -hmm. and what were those like? Well, I think there's so much that affects me. Um, seasonal affective disorder. I have that as well. So every fall, you know, Christmas, December, um, after Christmas anyway, I would get depressed. So I just didn't know what was going on. I thought it was normal and I kind of tried to hide it. Um, thought something was wrong with me. I didn't want people to know that I was dealing with things like that because I felt like I was strange. So, but finally, like I said, 27, I, I reached out and I wanted help. I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So. So you grew up in a place that has long, cold winters. Yes. A lot of gray skies mm -hmm. during the winter, not a whole lot of sunshine. Right. When did you notice um, that 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 winter time had that effect on you? I really noticed it after we moved. Um, I knew it was going on up there, but I couldn't believe it still happened when we moved to Louisiana. Um, Cause I love the fall. I love that time of year, but it seemed like every October I would start to get, you know, depressed. I would get down again. I didn't know what's going on. And um, when I sought help for that, that's what I figured out that, you know, I needed medication to help me through that. So and so that was a age 27 that mm -hmm. you, you, that was the first time in your life you sought professional help. I sought counseling and was put on medication. Yes. Mm -hmm. What was the, um, what was the trigger that finally motivated you to go seek a professional? Oh, everything just kind of came to a head. Um, you know, I say it's postpartum depression, which it was, but there were so many things that you know, this is my second child, our second child. And so even though the first child, I had some baby blues with, with her, um, I don't believe it was just the postpartum. So we had moved about what, 20 hours away from our family or support system um, in a brand new place. You're starting a brand new job. And I was isolated. I was at home without a vehicle with two small children. And then I have my hormones out of whack. So it was just a recipe for disaster, honestly. But I'm so glad that it happened because I finally got help because it wasn't just postpartum. It's something I've battled ever since. So. Yeah. Looking back on it, it's kind of hard to remember that all the details from that time. But I, I remember the struggle and and I'd forgotten until you just brought it up that we only had one car. Right. And right. so we had one child who was two and a half years old mm -hmm. and one child who was seven weeks old. Yes. And you had just, or we had just moved across the country, mm -hmm. a quite a great distance away from family. And we were excited. We were so excited about it. That's why it just came out of the blue, came out of nowhere. Um, because we were so excited about what we were doing and your new opportunity and all of that. So um, just, you know, things happen. Things are set up a certain way and it 
just happens, you know? Yeah. That was 21 years ago. Yes. Wow. Yes. So you, you finally realize you've got to seek some professional help. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a struggle there even in our marriage because I didn't understand what was happening. Right. And, and mm -hmm. I was trying to fix you, mm -hmm. which was the wrong response. Right. So you, you finally get some help. Did you, did you feel a stigma? Um, that's back going back to what, 1999. And there really wasn't a whole lot talked about. Depression wasn't really talked about. And when it was talked about, I had the feeling that people looked down on it. Um, and I think that's why in my early twenties, I just tried to keep it quiet. What was going on with me because I had just heard people talk you know, poorly about it. So, but I, when you get to a point where it, it hurts too bad to stay where you are, that's when you're willing to reach out and, and try something different. I, I just, I couldn't stay where I was anymore. I couldn't function. Um, I had, I had to get over the fact that if somebody thought ill of me, you know, just get over that because I wanted to get healthy. I wanted to get well. So I heard what I heard you say was that, um, your pain was so great Mm -hmm. that it was most important for you to seek help and get well than anything else. Right. Okay. Yes. So mm -hmm. your pain was greater than your fear. Right. Finally. Yeah. Um, the stigma that you felt, how was, how was that conveyed? Um, I don't, no one really said anything to me. I, I don't have any really bad experiences of people saying anything specifically. Um, I think it was just something that I felt um, and I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to say that I had postpartum. Um, I loved my children, loved this little boy. Um, and so there's a, such a stigma that comes with that. People don't understand what's going on. Um, but I, no one ever said anything to me specifically. It was just kind of my own feelings about it, I think. And, and you alluded to this uh, a minute ago, and it might be good for those who, um, have experiences or who have young children at home, um, this postpartum depression, mm -hmm. you at times uh, really had a hard time being a mom. Yes. Yes. And, it's, it's very painful to talk about. I just have a hard time even remembering that dark time because um, I do love my children so much. And I'm thankful for you that you noticed what was going on and that you just did whatever you could to help me get help. I mean, I had to actually do it myself but you were trying to get me in touch with the right people and you cared enough to, you know, tell me that I needed to do it. You weren't saying, Oh, you know, you shouldn't do that. But, you know, nothing's wrong with you. So I'm, I'm really glad that you were there encouraging me to seek help. So. And, and I, I think it's important for people to hear that, especially uh, other moms that may be experiencing that mm -hmm. and trying to process it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a show, um, it's, I guess it's in syndication now, but called Scrubs. It's a comedy mm -hmm. about some doctors. And mm -hmm. I remember there was a really good episode or two mm -hmm. about a nurse on the show. She gives birth and she deals with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And I thought how refreshing, because I remember you even saying you felt like that was a realistic was, portrayal. Yeah, it was a very good episode. It really is. So where did you go for help? Well, I sought out a counselor. She was a Christian counselor. Um, and then I also went to my um, actual family doctor and he prescribed me medication. Um, but it was it was a battle 
these past 21 years, it's been a battle where I've tried to get off of medication um, and I have for brief periods, but my doctors and counselors have gotten me to see that something about my physical makeup, I need medication probably for the rest of my life. And I've had to come to grips with that and to accept that because um, I had been told through various, I can't remember where I heard this, but I just heard it from various people that you're weak if you have to take medication or you know, you should just pray more and have more faith. And so I felt like there was really something wrong with me. I didn't want to admit that I needed medication, but now I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful that God created a way for me to be um, in this healthy place that I'm in now. Were there ever times where you started feeling better and you thought, I don't need the medication? Definitely. Yes. Yes. Because I wanted to get off of it. And so I told myself I didn't need that. And that was a disaster to try to get off of it. So, um, I finally learned my lesson now at age 48. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm happy for it. So the process was you you sought out a counselor and it was important to you because of mm -hmm. your faith that you find a, a Christian counselor yes. yeah. uh, who had the appropriate credentials. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and then through that process was a diagnosis. Then you wound up uh, also through your medical doctor mm -hmm. uh, uh, taking medication, being prescribed medication that yeah. will help and, and that you're still taking. And, and it took a few um, different medications to find the right one for me. So that's something that people need to realize too, to just because you take one medication, it doesn't really work or you don't like the side effects. Don't give up, keep talking to your doctor and they'll find, there's so many out there. They'll find one that works for you. Mm. So that's good. Great, great advice. How has your faith, I know sometimes faith can be used as a weapon. You know, you're struggling because you're not praying more or you're mm -hmm. not reading your Bible mm -hmm. enough, but how has your faith provided a framework to process your depression? Well, in the beginning, I beat myself up um, and that made it worse. I now realize I was making it worse the way I was treating myself, being angry at myself for being depressed um, and feeling bad about it. That just sunk me into a deeper spiral. Um, but one of the best things that's come out of this, I'm, I'm thankful for my depression, actually. I've come to the, to the um, point in my life that I'm thankful because it has taught me so much about myself it's taught me so much about God. Um, my relationship with God is stronger. My faith is stronger. Um, so it sounds kind of crazy to say that coming out of this, but that's one of the best things that's come out of this is my faith is so much stronger because I finally realized that God made me and he knows my temperament. He knows all about me. He wasn't surprised by any of this and he's with me always always. He's not beating me up about it. He is there to um, be supportive and love me. So you're, you're saying that's something that you learned through this, but mm -hmm. isn't that something that you already knew before this? Mm, I thought I did, but I, I didn't. Well, how did that change? Can, can you describe that? Um, I think I always tried to be self-sufficient. I'm very independent. And I think I was even like that with God that, you know, I've got this and I know you love me, God, but I mean, I, I'm a perfectionist and I just want to do things my way and I can do it. And um, it's like God almost has to, I don't know, you have to feel that you need God for, for that relationship to grow. Does that make sense? You have to um, know that you need him. That, know that he's the only answer. He's the answer. That can be a scary thought. It's very scary. And there were some dark times, but I'm so thankful for it now. I'm, I'm on the other side and um, it's so good being on the other side. 
Now you may, you kind of alluded to this, but what has been the most difficult aspect of your struggle? Um, just admitting that I'm always going to struggle. Um, I, I don't, I've never heard anybody say this, but I feel like right now I'm like in, um, Oh, what's the, I can't think of the word I want, but I still have depression. I still take medication, but yeah, I don't feel depressed all the time. So I'm in a good spot. Um, but so the worst thing for me has just been admitting that I have to deal with this. I have to take my medication or else I'm not going to be in a good spot. That's the hardest thing for me to admit that to myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a beautiful thing that's happened through your transparency and your struggle is that we often find mental uh, health issues uh, come through family trees. And right. sometimes in the past, people didn't know what it was or didn't identify mm-hmm. it. And then another generation comes along and doesn't understand what's happening. But but what you have done now has mm-hmm. has helped our children and mm-hmm. children, generations that will come after. Yeah. Uh, because of your openness. I hope that I've, I've broken the cycle um, to help in that area. And I think just in our our world today, because we're so much more open about it, we're helping people than ever more than ever before yeah that's a Mm -hmm. beautiful thing and i think um i think in a sense kindness is wonder yes and so people helping each other um, Mm -hmm. and we don't have to understand somebody's struggle in order to help and to be right uh, to be a friend just listen Mm -hmm. that's great in fact now that you brought that up uh just listen I can remember a time when you were you were describing what you were feeling and going through and I went into fix it mode. Uh-huh. And I'm, I think you said that to me, but I think you said that a little. It was, it was more strongly worded than you just said it right. then. <laughs> well, you did that. I mean, probably for a few years, you always tried to fix it. I think that men try to do that. They want to fix. They, they love their spouse. Um, they want to fix it for them. But you, you couldn't. You couldn't fix it. I just needed you to listen. And you've gotten really good at that. Now, now you know when I'm having a downtime that you listen, you, you give me some space, you encourage the things that will be um, good for me to take care of myself. And so we've kind of got it down to an art now. <laughs> and that's important. Uh, look, if, if your guys, if your wife is struggling with mental illness, don't try to fix her. Uh, Women, if your husband's struggling with it, don't try to fix him. Uh, listen and and be there. There's there's power in presence. Uh, so, what what's been the biggest blessing? I know you mentioned that you feel like you know God on a deeper level, and it's kind of hard to say there's a bigger blessing than that. But what what's another big blessing? Some others that you through this. I feel like this is kind of self centered, but it but it is one of the biggest blessings for me. I know myself so much better now. Um, I know my personality type. I know my temperament. I know what I can do and what I can't do. Um, And I accept myself now. I love myself now. I did not love myself before. I had such low self-esteem. And so, because I always thought something was wrong with me. And um, I've learned how to channel that depression into trying to help others and just, I don't know, just realizing who I am. That's been a blessing. 
Because mm -hmm. my temperament actually is wired more for depression on the Enneagram. I'm a four. And so an unhealthy four um, typically can get into addiction, depression. Um, a healthy four is one that is very creative and um, helping others. And so anyway, that's just my temperament lined up for that. You know, that's, that's really profound. The idea of knowing yourself and, and learning to love yourself. Mm -hmm. um, when Jesus gave the two greatest commands, he, he said, number one is to love God. And number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to love others when we right. don't love ourselves. We forget that part. Yeah. We have to love ourselves first. Um, and, and probably it's helped you to have healthier and deeper relationships because you love yourself. Yeah. But also to know that you have to have boundaries too. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. healthy as well. Yeah. So someone comes to you and says, I think I'm depressed. How do you respond? Well, I would listen first, just try to listen. Um, maybe give them a hug. You know, I know social distancing, but <laughs> I would, I'm a big hugger. Um, I would encourage them to seek out a professional because I'm not a professional. I can just be a friend but they need to talk to somebody, talk to their doctor, seek out a counselor um, that can help them. And it's easier today maybe than it was back then mm -hmm. with uh, mm -hmm. the fact that you can just Google it. Right. Yeah. But you also, depending on where you are, if, if you know, uh, I think it's good to find um, a counselor who's a Christian, who has a faith, mm -hmm. who can help, help you process it in a faith right. context. Just don't ignore it. Yeah. Don't ignore it. And, and check around and see who's recommended and, and who, who, you know, mm -hmm. uh, send us a, 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 an email and, and we'll, we'll help too. Uh, so where are you now? Do you, I, I know you, you talk about it and it sounds like, wow, you're doing great. And I think you are, but do you still have bad days? Um, I do every once in a while. Um, I'm still a people pleaser and I struggle with that. And so if I feel like maybe someone is upset with me or doesn't like me, um, I'll have some problems with that. I'm still a perfectionist, so, um, I can beat myself up still. I mean, I, I don't do it perfectly. I don't always love myself perfectly. Um, but I have way more good days than bad days. So, I mean, um, God is my rock and prayer and worship. Worship is one of the things that's really gotten me through the most that um, it's not just praying because when you're praying, sometimes you're just going over and over again, what your problems are. But when you're worshiping, you're putting your focus on God and how good he is and how much he loves you. And worship just opens up that channel um, between you and God that really can heal. And, and that's become a daily part of your life. Mm -hmm. You get up a few hours before you have to be at work and, mm -hmm. and you spend time worship every morning. I do. Yeah. Uh, when do you feel the most susceptible to uh, depression? Um, I have to be careful um, still like January after Christmas. That can be a tough time for me. Um, just these, we're going through some transitions with our children growing up. So that can kind of, you know, have to kind of think things through journal a lot and um, just kind of process things. So, yeah, the day after Christmas is really a downer. Yes, it? it is. It really is. So we, we try to keep up our Christmas lights until uh, 
until the um, <laughs> well, at least the first of the year. Yeah. But I, I'm advocating for longer because, you know, the 12 days of Christmas really start on <laughs> Christmas. Right. And January 6th is Epiphany. So we, uh, we actually have that 12 day window there. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> you can keep advocating for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, uh, man, I think it's great that you're on here, Mindy. Uh, I wasn't sure that that you would. You know, when I said podcast and you said, well, you can try it, but I wasn't sure if that meant that you would be a part of it, too. So, <laughs> so I'm really glad that you are. And mm -hmm. and look, if, if you liked what Mindy had to say today, then um, she's going to be a frequent guest on here. And so I'm so glad um, that she was willing to share today. Uh, if if you feel like um, something's just not clicking, you feel like you might have a mental health issue, then please go seek help. Go find somebody who can help you. You might start with your medical doctor and, and then go from there. Find a, a licensed counselor, a therapist who can help walk you through this. It's so, so crucial. I will I will say this. Um, counseling is so important and medication is important also. And I believe they go hand in hand. Medication is not just going to make you feel better just by itself. It might for a little bit, but usually there's things you have to process through. And a counselor can help you with that. You have to change the way that you think change the way that you, um, you know, you see things. And so a counselor is so important. It's not just the medication, but they work, they work together. Yeah. Great, great advice. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for tuning in for the second step of this journey. Next week, we'll be back with another guest who's going to share her personal struggle with eating disorders. So you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be really good until then take care of yourself and keep living in wonder.